This is the Fatty Joe Show, coming to you from Casa de Cary, deep in the forests of Nutmegerville. This show is dedicated to exploring pathways to better health from a holistic perspective. In each episode, we will explore such topics as nutrition, mental and emotional health, fitness, and more. I'm Yogi, your host. And I became interested in studying health after conventional health dogma became damaging and led me to become massively overweight. Against modern convention, I went on a keto lifestyle and I lost over 300 pounds and gained a level of control on my personal health that I never had before. Now I'm on a journey to find out what is myth and what is truth in the ever convoluted world of what is considered healthy. Come join me on a journey of discovery as I look for a path to improve total health. If you'd like to support the show, head over to patreon.com slash Show or patreon.com slash Brown. If you want to check out all of our social media links and recipes, head to carriebrown.com. Don't forget to leave a comment, like, and subscribe to the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fatty Joe Show. Today, we have a departure from our, our typical keto-verse conversations that we usually have. And I have Nancy Wind from a company called Peaks and Poses. They do some really cool stuff. She takes people out on guided expeditions to the backcountry. They go backpacking or peak bagging. And then while they're out in nature, she leads yoga classes and teaches people to do to yoga out there or runs a yoga program while they're out there. So you're getting two physical and mental and spiritual uh, exercises in one package, which is pretty amazing. I heard her on a podcast previously, probably about a year ago, and it just stuck in my head because it was so unique. And I have the love for outdoors and I have, I've, I've done yoga before and I have love for that. So I knew I really wanted to have her on the show. So Nancy, welcome to the Fatty Joe Show. Thank you so much. Um, it's, uh, I feel like um, it's an honor to be here and I feel like I'm in, a, in like living a dream or something. That the fact that you reached out to me and you have a podcast, <laughs> somebody reached out to me instead of me reaching out to somebody else. So um, yeah, it's it's kind of like a dream that I have a podcast. So you know, <laughs> so we're both living the dream. Yeah, there we go. So you have this passion for outdoors and you have a passion for yoga. Can you tell us how that stuff all began and how you you did the the smash together of the two to create peaks and poses? Absolutely. It's interesting because it was just um, sort of five or six years ago in the fall of my anniversary of the conception of peaks and poses, as well as the actual first event that I ever ran. Um, but I do, I've been a yoga instructor since 2011. I've been practicing my own yoga since about 2001. So pretty long time. And um, uh, when I first started practicing, I was going through a divorce. And so yoga to me really uh, helped me find myself. It helped me uh, deal with a lot of um, emotions that I didn't even know were sort of all inside of me. And um, it just gave me a sense of belonging, I think, to a community in a time where I felt sort of really lost um, being a mom of two very young children. 
And um, I became a yoga instructor just because I thought it would be fun. Like I didn't even really understand the whole process of becoming an instructor. And um, at that time, uh, my yoga really picked up because I was um, one of my older son was actually having a lot of um, issues with his own mental health. And so it was, again, a return to myself and a place, you know, my physical boundary of my mat where um, sometimes I would just come into my yoga class and I would just cry. And so it really um, just has uh, a really deep rooted power for me. And sort of around that same time, I started, um, I decided to hike more because my younger son was heading off to college. And I thought that I was going to be like, I was, I was going to be an empty nester. And I thought to myself, what can I, you know, what do I want to be doing with my life? And I loved hiking. I didn't do a, a lot of it, although I take that back. I did do some with my, when I was married and with my children, we were like camping and some small hikes. So I always loved being outside. And, and so I thought I would join a, um, like a hiking meetup group because a lot of my friends at that time were married, they were with their families, um, and they weren't as interested in doing what I really thought would be a lot of fun too. So I joined a meetup group and it was just on, it's called the New England Over 40. And um, I was on one of those hikes, it was the Cannon Cliffs, where it was just this expansive view of the White Mountains looking across to Franconia Ridge, which is one of my just all-time favorite um, hikes. And I, there was a bunch of people there and I'm like, you guys, let's get together and let's like do tree pose. Like here we are in this beautiful place. Like let's just sort of like mirror what's going on around us. And I grabbed people's hands and we all like made this big circle and we did a tree pose. And I went, wow, like this is really cool. Like what if more people wanna do this? with me like what would that look like and so i just started thinking about like trail yoga and like being out on hikes and um stopping along the way and just taking in what was around us and doing some poses and um just sort of building sort of a, a, a you know community of just positive energy with people and um, it was about a year later, um, it was, I was just sort of mulling this all over where I was on my first backpacking trip. And I started to talk to the few people that I was with and said, what do you think about this idea? And they were like, oh, I think it's amazing. And I'm like, well, come and help me, like help me think of a name of that, of what, you know, what I could call this. And so it was a six mile hike out. So we were out there for quite a while and we threw out all these names. I wish I could remember some of them. And all of a sudden somebody said, peaks and poses. And I went, that's it. I love it. So I can't even take credit for it, um, but Pauline can. And I just decided that I was just going to start. And I'm one of these people that just kind of like I'm slow and steady. I, I kind of start small, even though I sort of have like some big dreams. And I just did some local hikes around the Boston area. I did one in my own hometown. I did one on the Blue Hills Reservation. And I just started uh, on Eventbrite and organizing hikes and calling it trail yoga, which is what it was. And just getting people outside and out of the the, uh, the boundaries of a yoga studio and to sort of feel like the power of, of nature, being outside, of looking at, you know, the sky and the trees and listening to the waterfalls and the birds. And, and so we just, um, you know, I just started doing it locally. And then um, I thought, let's get big here. Why don't I take some people up to like the White Mountains and see if we can do some of the higher peaks. And people came and, and they're still coming. 
And so it's, it's still a journey. Um, I had somebody who came in one of my hikes that said, you know, I've been interested in these outdoor adventure programs that like, you know, like REI or EMS, you know, they're all running the AMC. And he said, you could do that. You could be that person and I'm going to be your chef. And I went, wow. That's cool. Okay. And I had just the place to do my first retreat up in um, North Woodstock, New Hampshire at a place called the Notch Hostel. And uh, actually next weekend we're going on our fourth one, I think. So it just, um, it just keeps evolving into something that's sort of bigger and better. We were out in Colorado last summer. Um, I did a week long retreat out there. And then this summer we were supposed to be out in Glacier. And um, unfortunately that's rescheduled for next year, but all of the people that wanted, that signed up were like, just keep, keep my money. I'm going, I'm coming. So that's kind of how it started. It was just sort of like this merge of just things that I loved, but I thought there was a lot of goodness to it all. And I'm the kind of person when I find something good, I like to share it with people. And I, I almost yeah. can't contain myself. Yeah, I, I mean, we feel the same way. That's why we started the podcast and, the, and Carrie started the blog. We, when you find something that's good that brings health and happiness to people, sharing it is, is a very powerful thing. And you do a variety of different types of excursions when you go out and you do the backpacking trips, the camping trips, you do uh, resorts. And then because a lot of my listeners may not be familiar with this term, but you do something called peak bagging. Yes. And, yeah. and so I, I'd love to, because I think this is a great gateway for a lot of people who are interested in backpacking, but may not be interested in hauling everything. So can you tell us a little bit about what the peak bagging is and how it's a, it's a good intro for people? Sure. I mean, the way I understand it in the, um, in the East is that peak bagging is that you are somebody who really wants to get to the summit of a high mountain. Um, in, New, in New Hampshire, we have a list of them. They're called the New Hampshire, they're 48, 4,000 footers. So people will start peak bagging those and, and complete the list. And um, they'll do it in all seasons. They'll do it in winter only. So for me, it's really just like getting to the summit of a mountain, uh, right? Because the top of it is the peak. And um, that's what I love about the peaks and poses, because for me, it is a, the word that the word peak to me has lots of different meaning and um, it could be your peak performance. It could be the peak of a mountain. It could be just, you know, how you feel inside, right? That you're like at the, the top of your game. And I feel like my, uh, my events sort of guide people to that state. So, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's really just climbing a mountain. That's the way I look at it. And I, I think for people, you know, you can start small. You know, depending upon where you live, there's probably mountains that are, you know, 2,000 feet above sea level. Um, I know in New Hampshire there are, and they're absolutely gorgeous, or 3,000, 4,000. It's, uh, they, they, they say in New Hampshire, you never, you never meet anybody normal over 4,000 feet. That's kind <laughs> of a funny thing to be thinking about. But it definitely takes yeah. a type of person to get up that to get themselves up that high. But um, there's beautiful mountains in New Hampshire and Vermont and Maine that are well under 4,000 feet. They're absolutely gorgeous. So- Yeah, I, I've been looking at the uh, Vermont Long Trail 
yeah. possibly as an introduction. And there's some climbs there and I've been seeing some pictures and it's beautiful. And there's, there's really a reason why, you know, climbing the mountain's always been a metaphor for accomplishment and, and for achieving something through, through hard work and physical labor. And the fact that you actually incorporate the literal mountain into what you do is, is pretty awesome. Yeah. And we do, we do a lot of mental health things here on the show. It's one of our focuses. And you did talk about how yoga was kind of an outlet after, after dealing with some tough things in your life, like your divorce. And that's being outdoors is, is another one. And putting those two things together really seems like a, a powerful spiritual cleansing that somebody can partake in. It's so true. It, it is so true. It's like, it, to, to me, it's like an instant change of state from when I'm even just in my house and then I just walk out the door, right? No matter what season it is, you know, just to feel the wind, to feel the heat or to feel the crispness of the air, the, to feel the, the cool, cold, you know, in winter. And I think there's something about, you know, just walking, you know, or hiking, that it's, it, you know, whether it's methodical or just that repetitive movement, I know for me, it just sort of takes the, um, the intensity of what might be happening inside of my brain and just kind of let it go, right? It's like just like a big like breath in and a big breath out, right? Or just a big sigh. And um, I, I always say that like it's my reset button. And, and I feel the same way about yoga. Um, that, you know, when you lay out your mat, when you, when you roll up your mat at the end of the class, I mean, you must know this from your years of yoga, you feel like you're a different person. Like you just got wrung out, washed out, cleaned up. All that happened prior to that yoga class is, is like, sometimes I don't even remember what it was. You know, it's like you're in a different state. And I feel the same way for me, and I think others would agree, that's the same way when you go outside, especially when you're hiking a mountain, because you're, you know, you're definitely putting in a lot of energy into even just like here, like just um, managing all of the roots and the rocks of the trees. So sometimes it's really important, especially up in New Hampshire, like you're always kind of looking down. So it's like, all right, let's, you know, you got to stop and really look around. But just that pounding you know, like you're giving yourself like this proprioceptive input, right? Into your, the soles of your feet and, um, and just that movement. I feel like it's like a, like a, a flow that comes in and washes me, washes me out. And, um, I, I, you know, I talk to so many people just about being outside, you know, like schools right now, they're, they're trying to get the kids outside in their outdoor classroom. It's not just for like to get like fresh air, but it's like, you know, people are going to be happier out there. You know, it's just, yeah. it's hard not to be. You know, John Muir wrote in his books, I go outside to lose my mind and find my soul. Yeah. And it's a pretty powerful quote there. I, I don't know if a lot of people are, re are, are aware of the research that people are are doing right now on how nature and outdoors actually affects us on a physiological level. Our brain chemistry is affected by it. Our biology is affected by it in a positive way. There's a, 
um, there is a, a research paper that was done and they actually showed people going through uh, three hours outdoors and they, they before they, they, they show the scan of them going outdoors, they show the scan and all these parts of the brain are lit up. The person is extremely, extremely stressed. They show the body. They were doing full body scans. The body was lit up with all this inflammation all over the place and the person went outside for three hours and then when they went back, almost 80% of the hot spots went away in, in most people. It, minimum, it was about 50%. And we do also know that being outside, being in sunlight has an effect on vitamin D levels, which can affect hormone levels. Vitamin D is a master hormone and it, it, it can affect hormone levels, which can bring things into balance and help you maintain calm. And then yoga, combining that with the endorphin release, this is an extremely powerful stress relieving tool. It, it, even if you're looking at it beyond a, a metaphysical look to it, you're looking at it as a scientifically straight up science to it. You are, you are right now offering people an amazing stress relief tool. And in this world where everybody is chronically stressed and it leads to autoimmune issues and things like that. Uh, a book I want to reference is The Three-Day Effect. And it's a, it's available on Audible. And they take, there there's different groups that are depicted in this book of that take people out into nature for three days to let go. And they take a group of military veterans with PTSD. They take a group of women who are survivors of trafficking. And then uh, the author takes her buddy out for a separate trip and they, they actually do the brain scans and the whole bit and they do see a measurable response. So I think having you on to talk about this and, and to at least get this idea out there is going to give people a, a way to build a healthy coping mechanism for what they deal in daily life. Absolutely. I mean, I, I have read some of those studies as well. And I know like there are people who will use like the, um, the white, I don't know if it's called white light, but it's a certain light, like especially in the winter when we get so little daylight um, that will help change their mood. So, um, you know, you're absolutely right. And I have to say like, it's, it's when I'm out in the mountains, I rarely come in contact with somebody who's grumpy, you know, just even on like a very basic level, like people are just happy out there. You know, it's like, it's so expansive too. You know, there's like, sometimes I feel like even though I love my home, like there's some contraction when I come inside. But then when I go out, it's just like expanded, you know, it's just like, especially when you get a view and it's just like, wow, like look at our, look at our country. Uh, it's interesting that you brought up the John Muir, uh, John Muir, because I was out on the John Muir Trail in the summer of 2018. I went out for um, almost three weeks on the John Muir Trail. And um, so that was my longest backpacking trip. I had only gone out maybe like a single night before that. So like by day two, by the evening of like the second day, I was just like, woo, this is my longest backpacking trip ever. And then like, you know, 16 days later, we're still out there. But I mean, talk about like a magnificent country. Like I just had no idea how big California was because at times I was just with one friend and we were just this little speck, you know, on this trail with these humongous trees and mountains and I, I, I turned to my friend Mary I was like I feel like I'm on like the Truman show like we're the only two here but look how much 
land we have and we're only on we've only covered six miles today you know it was just crazy and and everybody we met was just such a great mood and so happy to be out there and I, I, you know i'm sure you know we all have our things to deal with in life but you're you know i keep coming back to it's just like a it's like a trigger from you know like sometimes i'll get up at like 4 30 in the morning to go out and, and get in my car and hike and, and some people think i'm crazy and i was like call me crazy but i have no problem ever getting up at 4 30 in the morning to go for a hike if i have to get up at 4 30 in the morning for like my day job that's, you know, it's a different story. I like what I'm doing, but it's just, it's amazing. Like, it's like the night before I have trouble sleeping because I'm like so excited to like be able to, to go and, and I go with people. I'm not really a solo hiker. And I think that's the other thing, you know, that we, that we could even talk about is just the community. Like now I really feel like I have a Peaks and Poses community and um, people that want to, are looking for connection. You know, it's not just with nature, but it's also with other people who are really, you know, they get it. They're, they're understanding why, you know, we're out here and, and how can we, you know, connect with, with one another, especially, you know, our last six or seven months when people are feeling like so isolated, you know, we're doing social distance hiking and, but it's still nice to see other people, even though they're, you know, maybe a little further away, but just, um, just to build a community of people who want to better themselves also like they're really taking a step in the right direction with a with a really healthy activity and something that you can do on your own if you chose if you choose to like i do have one woman who's come on a whole bunch of my retreats up to some of the appalachian mountain club huts and while i hike with her now as a friend and she comes on some of my trips she will go out and solo hike um, she's built up enough confidence and enough skills um, to be able to do that but, um, and sometimes people need that too, like that's that time on their own, but, um, but also to know that like, you know, I, you're going to go on a Peaks and Poses event and you're going to meet other people that you're really going to be able to connect with. Just this past month, I, that's when I started to offer some overnight backpacking trips and two women, two different sets of women came on two different trips. And within the last two weeks, each one of those groups of women now have hiked on their own without me. <laughs> so a little like, you know, my son was getting married on one of the weekends, so I couldn't go. But like, it really gave me a lot of joy that they got, they met through my business. They met hiking and they're looking for one another to go out and have some more fun together and to, you know, and to, and to explore and to grow. Like these women, they're growing in so many ways. They don't realize it always. And they don't, they definitely don't like sign up, you know, cause like, oh, I want to change or, you know, I want to grow. I want to get stronger. Most people don't, but I, but I've seen it in some of these, mostly women. I do have some men that come on some of my events, but it's mostly women. Wow, they are powerful. It's so, um, I don't want to just use the word cool. It's heartwarming in a way to like witness that kind of growth in people. You know, for a long time, there was a, in, in the Western world, there was a, a 
kind of a sexist view of yoga, that it was primarily a women's exercise and things like that. But fortunately, it's starting to change as more and more athletes are seeing the physical benefits. There's even a pro wrestler uh, named Diamond Dallas Page who does yoga for, for guys. And he's a, this big, you know, pro wrestler guy. And I started getting involved with what, doing some of his programs because of being in the pro wrestling world myself. And it was, I, I can't say it was an introduction to yoga, but it was a great way for a male of being able to accept it a little bit better because there still is a bit of a stigma around it with a lot of, uh, of men. I think it's changing. It, it is definitely changing as people are seeing the physical and emotional benefits, especially with if you just look at the physical benefits of recovery after workouts, of strengthening the yoga poses that strengthen the ligaments in the joints that help prevent injuries, which is, is pretty powerful. So people are seeing that. You were talking, and I'm glad you actually brought this up because I didn't even think about bringing it up, but the camaraderie of the outdoors. And I mean, this that's something I've experienced a, a lot myself with going on surf trips and things like that, everybody getting along. We get along until somebody steals somebody's food, then it's... <laughs> <laughs> But we it, food out there on the trail. Yeah. We were doing surf trips and as young guys, you know, somebody would not bring enough food and, oh, yeah. and somebody else would get hungry. And of course, you know, you're, you know, back then before keto, you know, your can of pork and beans magically disappeared and you're <laughs> like, what the... So being around the campfire, being social outdoors is, is something, you know, a lot of people consider the outdoors as the solo thing of going out and resetting and being by myself, being outdoors. But there's also, as you said, that level of connection that is often lost in our modern world with, when we're surrounded by technology and things like that, because you're out in some of these places, you may not get a cell phone signal. You're forced to talk to one another. Oh, true. So talk to us a little bit more about that camaraderie and because that human connection is also another powerful thing for emotional and, and mental health. So, so tell us a little bit, campfire stories, let's go. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm always curious why people come on my retreats. And I, I find, I'm discovering there's like the woman who needs to get away from like her married life and child, like her husband, child, you know, children, not def, you know, indefinitely, but like a weekend getaway, you know, or maybe a day, like they just up to here and they just need to, you know, women generalization tend to need that more socialization. We, you know, we were sort of, we're genetically, I think, wired that way. And from a very early age, I mean, studies show we gravitate towards, you know, other people. And, um, and then there's a lot of women who are, um, you know, midlife that uh, their children are older. So maybe they're high school or college age, and they're not around anymore. They may be married, but, uh, you know, a lot of times they're divorced or widowed. And so they're really looking for something to do. And, um, you know, what's, what's interesting is a lot of people will come on my retreats and they just come on their own, which is fun because they, they, they're just sort of like, they're not connected to anybody or anything. They just kind of show up who they are and they're really open. 
to meeting new people and to talking and to see like, where have you hiked? Or this is my first hike. And, you know, um, just to be, you know, just to make new friends. And, and that's what was so heartwarming with these four women that I feel like there's these, you know, friendships that are made and that it, so quickly, especially these, the last two that I took, cause they just met on an overnight backpacking trip, but there's something about, you know, spending so much time with people, you know, and as you walk, I, I you know, you sort of unload yourself, I think in ways mentally and, and sort of emotionally. So like the conversations that you get into with people are, are really, they can be, they're very open. They, you know, you could, they could be really raw. It, it's like this, like I said before, like this um, unleashing or opening up that again, nobody signs up for an event saying like, this is how I'm going to be, but it's just that you're outside. It's relaxing. There's beauty all around you and you're walking, right? You're hiking and you're talking and, 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 you know, you just start to unravel. So I think people connect quickly or quicker than if you were, you know, at some other kind of, you know, even like a networking event, which is, you know, for people to, to meet. And so, uh, you know, I, I just think that's, it's beautiful. I mean, I've had, um, I've had, you know, different situations. One woman invited like three or four of her friends to come and, um, and, but then there were other people, you know, that were there and then they all sort of mingled with one another. And yeah, I, I, it's just mind boggling. Like, you know, each, each event, each year, I see like more and more benefits of what's coming out of, you know, my one thought of just bringing people out to like hold hands and do a tree pose. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know. I never would have, I never really looked into a, you know, the, the crystal ball to say like, what could this be? Um, I have a lot of repeat customers a lot of people, some people that came in my retreat like last summer are coming back for, you know, the week-long summer retreat. Um, I take groups of people up to the Appalachian Mountain Club, the backcountry huts. And I have uh, several, several women that um, keep coming on those because those are just, those are really special. I don't know if you know anything about those, um, but talking about like your cell phone. So you, the, the hike in is usually about three, maybe three and a half miles. So it's not like super long or, or I mean, they're strenuous hikes, don't get me wrong. And you've got some weight on your backpack, but those are the opportunities where, yeah, there's minimal, if any, cell coverage. And you spend the night in a, um, in a hut that is staffed by um, typically like young adults, they become part of the crew for the summer and they make you dinner, they make you breakfast, they tell you how to fold the sheets and how to clean up after yourself. And they're really fun. They put on a little skit and you're in like a pretty large hut. Some of them hold like 40 people or 60 people overnight. You're in like these triple bunks, co-ed rooms, right? So you've got this, you know, all these different uh, genders and people just whatever, you know, it's just like, we're all friends here. And there's a lot of camaraderie there. And, and that is really like a night away. You know, it's very different than like my day hikes or like uh, next weekend we go up to the Notch Hostel. I mean, we'll be, that's a drive in place. Um, so the back country is just, ah, uh, it's just magnificent. And the people, you know, you just lose yourself in the mountains. Last year ago, uh, year ago, September, we went up to one of them called Lakes of the Clouds. It sits about a mile and a half beneath Mount Washington. And it was sort of a misty, light rain. Um, but we went up 
And we got up to, so this hut sits probably at about just maybe around uh, 5,000 feet and um, probably at, you know, we got above tree line and we were in the clouds. I mean, the hut is named appropriately because most of the year it's probably in the clouds. I knew what it was like around there, but all of the people that I took did, and there were, I think, 10 of us. And so we're in the clouds. That was fine. We, it, it rained. We didn't get to hike the mountain that day because of the rain and the winds. We did some yoga inside the hut, which was really cool because there were all these other people staying at the hut and they're like, can I join? Can I join? I'm like, yeah, just come and, you know, just find a place. But the next morning, as we were eating breakfast, the clouds, the weather shifted and the clouds just sort of moved swiftly across the window where we were all looking out and all of a sudden it was like, you know, uh, like, I don't want to use this analogy, but taking kids to like a candy store, you know, just that look of like this, like pure excitement. And cause they saw this magnificent view for the first time that there's like Mount Monroe and there's Mount Washington. And there was like the whole like Valley. And um, they were just like, happening and then we were able to hike up to Mount Monroe which was just about a half a mile up and it was just like oh, I'm getting chills just to see like these people experience together this amazing morning uh, and there were, it was still a little windy and coming down like it was just like there was just enough wind to add that excitement to the day because then the clouds kept moving across the valley but not enough to sort of like knock us over so we were all safe and you know that's a big part of the trip as well and um and i don't think any of them will ever forget that that lifting of the clouds um and we've had like like th that's not the most spiritual sort of event but in some ways it really was like, because, you know, it was like they were put in a box for 12 hours and then finally somebody opened up the box and they were like, it was pure joy. It was, it was really cool. We've had another couple of like really neat experiences. I can go on and on, but yeah, just getting back to your, you know, you just, your thought about the connection and the community. It's, um, I don't know, I'm really been humbled by it this, this past couple of weeks because I, I really see a lot of it coming together. I think sometimes I don't often stop enough to give myself like almost like a bow to myself to say like, look what you created. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like it, it does. And you have, you have definitely carved a unique business niche into your, into your life. That is, it's, it's an extremely powerful thing. If you're going to go into business and be an entrepreneur to be able to combine things that you love in such a unique way has got to be a very powerful thing for your own mental health and the way you do your business. Uh, and it's, it's a health in your business set which which is pretty crazy you get to travel you get to i mean it's an amazing dream to live i know that's where we're going to glacier because <laughs> that's really where i want to go and last year we went to colorado we went to boulder again like i told you like i'm kind of slow and steady right like i move i'm sort of methodical about things but i'm crafted in what i do so i have um my oldest brother lives in boulder and i've done some hiking out there with him and so for me it was like a comfort level. Like I can, I feel like I can do this. I've got my chef. We rented this beautiful home and uh, we took three people with us. And, um, and my brother joined us at some point and we stayed with him, you know, just to kind of get our feet wet. 
And, you know, there was like a little padding there, I guess. And I, that was, that was great. Like, that's just the way that I needed to do it. Glacier, a lot, you know, I've never been there, but that is on my, it's been on my bucket list of, you know, places that I want to go. I want to go to Croatia. I want to go back to Costa Rica. I'd love to go to Italy. I would. Italy's love, beautiful. You know, I'd go out to California. I mean, the sky's limit once we can really safely travel again, you know, I'm going to put that out there that we, that we will. I'll always come back to local hiking and doing the trail yoga at the Blue Hills Reservation, which is just south of Boston, and the White Mountains, because they are, they're really like a home away from home for me. Maybe Vermont. I've hiked the high peaks in Vermont. I've hiked the high peaks in Maine as well. Uh, somebody asked to go up to Acadia National Park and do maybe like a camping trip next summer. So that's, you know, kind of on the, the back burner of maybe finding a few people that have all of the, you know, all of the equipment. But I was excited to offer the backpacking because that's something that I've wanted to do more of. You know, it's just people, people want to be guided. You know, a lot of the women have said to me, I just love it. I, I pay you my money. You send me a packing list. I show up. I don't have to think about anything else the entire weekend. Right. And these are women. So let's Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was going to say, so let's, let's talk a little bit about your programs, how the different types of excursions you do, and also the equipment that people would need and maybe how to, if, if you have any ideas of how they source the equipment, if they don't necessarily have some of the things on their own. And I, know, I do understand you do this four seasons as well. And that might freak some people out of going out camping in the wintertime, but we know how fun that can be actually. You know, <laughs> it, it's awesome coming up in the wintertime with your, get your uh, camp percolator going and pour yourself a hot cup of coffee while the sunrise is coming up. All right. I have to let you in on a little secret. I have not yet winter camped. So, but it is, it is definitely something that I want to do this year. So maybe I will try it out and then I'm going to get another brave soul or two, right, to come with me. But I have done winter, um, I've done some winter day hikes with some people and we'll, um, we'll just pop on micro spikes or snowshoes and we'll go out and we'll do some hikes up in New Hampshire. I'm hoping to do some locally, but last year we had no snow here in New England. So, you know, that was really kind of frustrating. And last Last winter, I was pretty, I would say, compelled to finish up my own New Hampshire winter 48 hiking uh, hike. So, so last winter, I had, I think, 10 mountains um, in New Hampshire that I had not hiked yet in the winter. So I was like pretty focused on, on that. And I did finish them in February. So that was really cool. Um, but you're right. People do. Um, so people do want to be guided and they don't always have the, you know, the right gear. So um, on a day hike, I, um, you know, I have like a packing list. I make some suggestions. I try not to get people to spend a ton of money, you know, for a day hike, if you have a backpack, that's not the best backpack, it's fine. Just have some, you know, trail shoes would be better than sneakers. You know, I encourage people to dress like in layers and wear like the wick away, like some kind of workout clothes. I have like a 10 essentials uh, list also that I go over with people. I've done actually a couple of workshops with some of the libraries just about the 10 essentials. And, um, you know, that's about like bringing a headlamp and, you know, fire or uh, matches, um, a rain jacket. Some of these things, if they're with me, they don't necessarily have to have because we're all together as a group. Um, but when they're backpacking, I do encourage them to bring a lot more of, of these items. So they want to have a good backpack. You want to have a, a good rain jacket. 
get some extra clothes. I talk a little bit about food that might fuel you. If people had like a bivy sack, which is just like a thin little sack that you could go into if you have to spend the night, what else? I, I do talk to people about a headlamp. A day hike, that's just a few hours. They don't necessarily have to bring, like if we're going here outside of Boston, but um, but if they were gonna come up in the whites, a headlamp would be good. Uh, sometimes I we've gotten to like the parking lot of a hike and I'll have people like open up their backpacks and we'll, we'll just sort of do like a hands-on kind of like, let's go over the 10 essentials, let's see what you have what would be better for you, you know, what would be great for you to have like for your next trip, um, things like that. So I'm always trying to help them and I'm trying to get them to think also of their own, you know, about their own safety. For the backpacking trips, um, I was fortunate. I had an extra backpack that somebody could borrow. I had an extra like pretty lightweight tent for somebody to borrow. So some of them, some of the people, some of the two women had to like borrow some things maybe from there. Actually they borrowed some stuff from there. Uh, sons. But I know um, REI, you know, there's lots of those stores. I don't know where people would be living, listening to this. And, and you know, if there's an, a store near that, the store near me is renting out equipment again. They went like a couple of years not renting equipment. But I think they're starting to see that like there's more and more people who are interested in these kinds of activities. And, you know, it does add up after a while, you know, just get buying the gear, especially like when you're a four season hiker. So I think, you know, it's good if you can like get a loner and try it out, see if this is something that you really like. And, um, and then, you know, just see like what you have to purchase. I know on Facebook, there's a gear marketplace. So there's lots of people that are selling secondhand or maybe they got something new and they can't use it. So they can, um, they can look up there. Craigslist, I don't know how many people still use that but it might be an option. It seems like Facebook Marketplace is a little bit more user-friendly these days. It seems like a lot more people are, are on that. You know, if there's a holiday coming up or your birthday and it's something that you really, you know, you know that you're gonna be hiking and you really like this, you know, ask for a backpack. I would always go to a store and uh, like REI or EMS, there's still some of those around that um, the people in those stores are super helpful because they'll fit you for the right pack. The right yeah, I like REI. I like REI quite a bit. I like their, their company's um, philosophy and social philosophies. The, the gear rental is actually really a great suggestion because the other thing too is there's people don't realize there is a ton of different styles of backpacks and sleeping bags and things like that out there. And they all fit a bit differently. Depending on your body type, you may prefer one style over another. And being able to go rent some gear for a while and try out some different things for a you know, couple day excursion is a great way of finding something that fits and works with you. And also to do it so that you don't have to invest a lot of money because outdoor gear can, can get pretty pricey. Absolutely. If you want to go in on a budget and get some quality gear there is a company that i do like to recommend to people and they're called teton sport they um i have one of their big guy back our big guy uh, uh sleeping bags and it's it was phenomenal I, I used it in the truck i've used it outside it fits me real well it awesome. keeps you nice and warm and it's it's very well designed and for the price it's it's fantastic and i had gotten my buddy one of their backpacks and their backpack cost eighty dollars and it was a i i believe it was a 60 or 70 liter backpack and it fit comfortably it worked well. It wasn't the most ultralight thing, but it wasn't super heavy right. as well. It's a great company for introduction and budget to get into. But I I'm think gonna, you brought uh, up something. 
I think you brought up something that was great as far as renting the gear goes. And I don't know how all that's playing out in our current COVID world right now. Yeah. But but if you can do it, I do recommend it. Now, you did mention briefly on food. And you said you had, on, I guess, on some of your excursions, you have a chef working with you? Yeah, he's really, um, he started out as, uh, you know, came on one of my hikes and we, be, we became friends. I, several years ago, I read a, I led a book group, which is now turned into my coaching program, but it's based on a book called Body Thrive. And so this friend of mine joined my book group and, you know, we just got to be friendlier. And, um, and that's when he came up with this idea that I should run these, you know, trail yoga, outdoor adventure kinds of retreats. And, uh, and he, he offered to be my chef. That's what he said. Now, I didn't realize it at the time, but it later it turned out that he also was going through a divorce and just a really, really hard time in his life. And he will continually thank me because what we just all talked about is, is exactly what he experienced. He experienced, you know, like my energy, the connection with other people and what it was like to go out in the mountains because he, he hiked um, back in his country. He's from Iran and he used to hike with his dad when he was much younger, but he's been over in this country since he's like 16 and getting out back into the mountains was like the most uplifting experience that he has had in a long time. And so, so he became my chef. And so when we go to the Notch Hostel, for our weekend retreats and also for my week-long retreats that I do over the summer, he is the chef and um, he and I collaborate on the menu. He brings in some of his dishes from his childhood, which I absolutely love, and some of the recipes that his mom has made for him, which I, I just love. I just feel like there is so much love in that, in that meal. You could feel it. And we have a lot of, we have a lot of the same cookbooks. So we'll have, we have a couple of the, um, some Ayurveda cookbooks. We have the Eat, Feel, Fresh, which is a modernized, contemporized Ayurveda cookbook from Sahara Rose. We have the Everyday Ayurveda cookbook. We just discovered we both have another cookbook called Chickpea Flour Does It All. And so we just sort of collaborate and create a menu together and just trying to, you know, be plant focused, um, keep that in our frame of mind and to uh, make sure that the food is going to be, you know, we know it's gonna be nutritious, um, but also making sure that, you know, we're gonna be out hiking for the day that it's food that's gonna sort of fuel us. And then also on like coming this coming Saturday and Sunday, we'll be out on the trail. So we wanna make sure that it's something that we can pack up in like some little, you know, plastic containers and be able to put in our backpack and so that we can have some lunch out on the trail. So yeah, so we've just had a lot of fun with that. And um, especially like the retreat, he totally blew all of the people away with what he made on our retreat. Cause it was also like five days of it. So they were like, oh my gosh. And everything looks absolutely beautiful. His presentation is amazing. And um, his name is Magic. He makes it look effortless when he's cooking. He does a lot of prep like the night before, he'll wake up early and he just makes it look effortless. It's amazing. There's like no stress or no, no outward stress. <laughs> 
but I don't think there is. It's just like, he told me he cooked for his wedding with like several hundred people. So this is like something that he, he owned a restaurant in Boston. He's got like nine lives, this man. And he's, he's amazing. And so he loves it. He loves. So just for our guests, I want to touch a bit on the nutrition side of things because sure. um, for our listeners, I mean, for many of our listeners are keto and you are uh, more of a, a plant-based diet than a lot of our listeners are, but you do like most of our listeners focus on whole real foods that carry some nutrient densities and sourcing the best quality possible. Or So there's going to be a lot of, even if you're keto, there's going to be a lot of options available that you can, you can partake in. If, if you're one of our listeners who's carnivore, you can pack your own things if you need to. Uh, so that that's fine. But it's, I think people will find what you guys prepare because of the whole real food sourcing. They are going to have that healthy option, even if it's not what they would think of normally in their, in their food. And if you do go on this excursion and you are keto and you're worried about what to eat, let's say it's an overnight one that doesn't have the chef involved and you want to pack some food. I do have some suggestions and there's a company called uh, next mile meals and they do keto whole real food sourced uh, backpacker meals that are, are freeze dried that don't have any of the junky ingredients, no the no the empty carbs or anything like that, just as fillers. So they're fantastic. I will put a link to them in the show note. There is if you're not keto and you you are more paleo, there's another company called Wild Zora and they do some some really good paleo, very well sourced meals and they'll do a mix on vegetarian and as well as as more meat inclusive dishes they're not very meat centric they're but they they do some some meat dishes but those are some excellent options so if this is something that for our listeners you want to partake in and you're worried about what to eat these are some things that you can source and be able to eat there but i would encourage you to keep an open mind and i'm sure since you have a chef there if they let you know hey this is how we eat you guys could probably fairly be accommodating to that. And there's a lot of Middle Eastern food. If that's what the chef, your chef cooks, Magic cooks, there's a lot of Middle Eastern food that fits right into our lifestyle with the olive oils, with the, with yeah. the high quality things, like if he includes like lamb, which yeah. is fantastic, or even just bringing some eggs along, you know, you're great. We will do all that. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But um, when we were out in Colorado, um, there was one woman that definitely ate more meat than, you know, than we all did. And so we ended up just buying some burgers for her, you know, and she made some burgers and we did a salmon one night. That's why, you know, for me, that's why I, I, when people ask me if I'm vegetarian or vegan, I just say I'm plant focused because that's sort of my direction in terms of my diet, but also my whole lifestyle. You know, that includes like just making connections to nature wherever I am. And we also, we do some eggs. Um, like this weekend, we will have some eggs in the morning for people if they choose to, um, you know, want them. And we do accommodate different dietary uh, diets or restrictions. Like we have a woman who is um, gluten-free. So um, we got out that chickpea, chickpea flour does it all cookbook so that we can make some bread because... In the past, Magic would make bread for people who aren't, who eat gluten and then some gluten-free. And I said, why don't we just simplify it this time? Why don't we just make something that everybody can eat? So he's extremely accommodating for that. 
And thank you for sharing the other backpacker meals because I took some notes on those. Um, what I do is I make my own uh, backpacking meals. So when I went on the John Muir Trail, the way I did it was I would like cook, say, a pot of coconut curry, chickpeas, or I made a ratatouille. Uh, I made like a Thai peanut pasta. So I kind of like will make my one dish and then I'll put that in the dehydrator. And, um, and I dehydrated all my own. I did breakfast, lunch, and dinner for those 18 days that I was out. It was absolutely delicious. And I, I encourage- used to do the same thing. You did? Yeah. They- yeah, I used to do the same thing. So uh, the dehydrators are wonderful. You can customize everything if you want to invest one. They're not very expensive. And I used to, my big thing was soup mixes. Like, like soup is fantastic. It's wonderful comfort food. You can customize it any way you want. And the way I did it is I would dehydrate the individual ingredients and then just put them together in, in the ways that I want. Like one of my more popular things was chili. So I, I would have this chili that I would put together and I would dehydrate the meat and I'd do dehydrate. But when I dehydrated the separate ingredients, I was able to make a bunch of different dishes just with with the same thing, just changing the seasoning. Dehydrating some tomatoes, you can grind them up and turn them into tomato powder and use it for pasta sauces, use it for for all kinds of things. The other thing for us keto folks, and you... Being keto, you don't have to fat chase, but for those of us who are doing keto for brain health, it does help. So if you are doing keto for brain health, one of the options I also throw out is they do make freeze-dried butter powder. They do make freeze-dried heavy cream powder. So you can incorporate these things and go with you. And also F-Bomb has single serving packets of things like macadamia nut oil, olive oil, coconut oil, and, and their house blend, which is a, a great way to incorporate the, the fats if you're trying to raise the ketone levels for your brain health, for, for your brain chemistry. That's a way to go. But I will say this too, it, it also works great too for providing the calories to get through a day because yeah. when you're backpacking and you're carrying weight, you want the calories. Oh, you okay. do. So same time, you also want the protein because of building muscle and and you're going to tear down a lot of muscle as you go. The other thing that I was going to say is though, you will raise those ketones simply from the physical activity that you're doing. For those of you who are ketogenic and you're worried about your ketone levels, this physical labor that you're going to be doing of hauling half a person on your back through some miles, you are going to hit a metabolic state which will raise ketones up for fuel and you will tap into your own fat stores to be able to use it. So I don't want people to discount themselves from this experience over dietary concerns. The fact that I would recommend trying Magic's food because a lot of that's going to fit into your lifestyle. I would recommend, you know, as, as long as you, you don't have sensitivity to legumes and things like that to, of trying this stuff because it's going to add to your experience. It's going to add to things. Now, if you have an issue with the oxalates and legumes and things like that, you know, definitely do what's right for you. To have this experience and to be able to go out and do this, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for people. I would say if you don't pack your own food, definitely try, you know, and you, you, you will be, if it's the Type of food I'm thinking about, you're going to be pleasantly surprised on on a lot of this stuff. So imagine, imagine, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's ever well, been disappointed. I, I I'm very familiar with a lot of Middle Eastern food, and I it's it is delicious, well 
I, I mean, the, the types of foods that are incorporated are very nutrient dense. A lot of the foods on the plant styles have some medicinal benefits that are great for a system. Like a lot of parsley is used and parsley is a wonderful chelator to get rid of heavy metals, things like that. So it's, it's definitely an option. I do know that some of our people have digestive issue stuff where plant matter is not really great. So I want to make sure that they had the options that like I could pack my own stuff if I have to and still experience this. Absolutely. So I, I, we're coming around uh, we're actually over the hour, but I want to, I always ask our, our guests a few questions when they go, and I'm going to customize some of the questions for you because normally they're, they're based around our keto lifestyle, but I want to, I want to customize some things for you. And they I try to keep them very short answer things. And it's just a way for people to get to know you and also to possibly get some more re resources. So yeah. my first question to everybody are, who are your top five health heroes? I'd have to say, um, one is Kate Stillman, who's my mentor. And she is, uh, she's got a podcast, Yoga Healer, and she is Ayurveda practitioner and leads a lot of courses. So that's where I did my health coaching with. Um, she wrote a book called Body Thrive and Master of You. And my power up coaching program is based on Body Thrive, which are the 10 habits of Ayurveda. Deepak Chopra. I think early on in my yoga training, I just listened to, a, I did a lot of his and Oprah's meditations and really got me into um, a daily meditation routine. So, and that's been huge um, because I was somebody who never thought I could sit for a minute and just sit and breathe. And so that was a real challenge for me to be able to, to sit in silence or to sit with you know somebody to for longer than a minute. There's a, a bunch of um, more recently some people that I've just been following like in the plant-based world, like Dr. Ornish and Dean Ornish. Yep. Yeah, and um, T. Colin Campbell with the China study. Probably um, Rich Roll, endurance ultra endurance athlete, and mm -hmm. um, has his own podcast. Big in the plant world. I have to say my yoga instructor Daniel Orlansky. I mean he's he's internationally known and he's a uh just the training that i got was unbelievable because he comes from different lineages and different paths and he's sort of taken the best of all of this yoga study that he's done and, and sort of created his own um so that really was uh life-changing for me just also in terms of meditation um I've, I've been probably listening to more podcasts than reading books although I certainly have. I was thinking of Dan Harris, who's 10% Happier, wrote the book 10% Happier and has that podcast. That's been a lot for like my, my meditation, my, my mental capacity. I just read a, a book by Maya Tuari, uh, Pathway to Practice. So just a, just a deep in my own understanding of Ayurveda and how Ayurveda can heal people. I read a lot of cookbooks. <laughs> Sounds crazy, but I do. <laughs> Believe me, we understand that here in Casa de Carriel. Yeah. yeah. It's just even think about some movies. So I'm trying to think who else is on my, in terms of another podcast, the plant trainers up in Canada. There are a couple. I think these are some of the people more recently that have really kind of like changed my life. Um, I have a couple of um, hiking books. Um, oh, there's one written by two women. I think it's, it's not about, the, it's not about the hike. I think that's what the name of it is. It's not about the hike. And these are two women got, that befriended. Oh, I just got through one called Blisters. And it's about a woman and her friends that hiked the uh, John Muir Trail. And it was, it was really good. And they, they threw hiked the John Muir Trail. And I think they did it back in the 80s or something when there wasn't too many women on the trail. Oh, wow. 
pioneers. Yeah, it's not about the hike. I think that was also really powerful for me. We have some health heroes and yoga is all about movement. It's about, it's about breathing. It's about meditation. And I, I, can you give us, normally I ask what's three foods to incorporate in a lifestyle, but this podcast wasn't food focused. So I want to ask what are three types of life movements that you would encourage people or three principles of yoga that you would encourage people to incorporate in their daily life to improve their health? One of them is just the practice of ahimsa, which is is about, um, I interpret it as really as like self-love, is to, um, it's about nonviolence, and, and that has to start with yourself. So being really like loving to yourself and, and practicing, you know, some rituals of self-care, because I think that it has to start with you so that you can then, you know, bring it out into the world and bring it to the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis or just, you know, really sending that energy out. So the practice of ahimsa and, um, and self-love. I think another practice is really strong is just the breath practice is to be able to, to tune in to yourself and to know when you really need to stop and, and take a breath. And to, for many people, realize that you're not breathing, you know, or that there's a lot of constriction in your breath. And, and the breath is important for, obviously, for sustaining life, but, you know, for oxygen into the brain and, um, and moving stagnation out of the body. And another principle for me is um, I've really lately, the last couple of years, have just really gotten into the flow of the circadian rhythms and to honor the rhythms and the natural cycles of the day and how regardless of what you eat, that when we become aligned with those natural cycles, that we, we have this rhythm and we and flow that, you know, along, I would say with some other things will lead us into better health. And I think that, you know, I, I, I saw it in myself. We're just, we're, we're misaligned. We're out of line. We're out of sync with our natural, with all that's around us from the, the rising of the sun to the setting of the sun and, and, and noticing the changes of the energies of the day and to try to be either mirror those or to be aligned with. So that's a big, that's something. you know, daily movement, but those, those that's something that's big in our community as well. Um, the the fact that so many people's sleep is messed up because their patterns of living through the day is messed up. That is one of the biggest, besides being sedentary, that, you know, beyond diet, beyond anything, if your sleep is messed up, you're messed up. Exactly. And the circadian rhythm goes beyond just your sleeping patterns. It's what you do through the day that affects your sleep at night as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm glad that one was brought up. What are three things do you think people should avoid doing for their health as far as movement, like something maybe to preserve their back health or their, you know, something that they should avoid, whether it's, I, I'm trying not to lead the question, but maybe something that's not so healthy for us to do as far as physical movement sitting or lack of thereof. Sitting too much. <laughs> yes. Is one. I have a standing desk now at work. So nice. Yeah. And it's great because it's got, it's, it's really was made for kids, but the kids aren't using it right now. And it's got this um, uh, metal bar at the bottom that moves so I can put one leg on it and it will just move while I'm standing. 
So you can fidget. It's yeah. the fidget desk. Awesome. Exactly. I like that. Yeah. Um, so really just, um, just not sitting is really one thing that we can do. I, I think with movement is you have to find the right movement for you and whatever that is for you, you know, to just start off simply, you know, little by little. So whether it's dancing in the morning for a minute, you know, like I love Michael Fronte. So I always dance to him in the morning. It's a lot, I'm alive. And I, I'm just in my living room shouting, I'm alive. And because, you know, there's millions of people that wake up in the morning that aren't alive. And so it's my way to sort of give thanks for, to, for myself, for the health, for me taking care of myself and, and for the life that I'm living. And then I start to think about like my mom who's still alive, you know, she's 88 and like it, then I move out to like my siblings and I move out sort of, you know, to whoever comes into my mind, but it's sort of like a, it's a, it's a three minutes of just giving thanks and, and, and acknowledging that I am alive today and this is a whole new day. So that's dancing or hula hooping or walking or, you know, maybe it's just breathing and bringing your arms up over your head, you know, just to move, but find, um, I don't know if I'm answering the question, but really to find something that's right for you. And let's see, one thing maybe to avoid is to just overdo it, you know, whatever it is, to, to really be, you know, to be mindful, to be able to tune into yourself, to know like that was too much. You know, you'll feel it in your back, maybe your feet, maybe your arms, you know, maybe your neck, right? So just don't, like, I think sometimes, you know, we just want to get something done or we're just goal oriented and, or, you know, we want the, we want the prize. We want the medal at the end, but we don't want to do the hard work in between. And, and that's a lot about my power up coaching program is just taking those little baby steps. So whatever the movement is that you feel joy with, like you have to feel joy from that. And then just little by little to, to be able to incorporate into your life so that you don't overdo it. And then you end up whacking out your back or tightness in your neck or tension or think, tendonitis or, you know, anything like that. Um, I think that's a great point because there's so many people overdo their exercises and cause them more health issues. They're trying to get healthy, but they cause damage that, you know, sometimes can be irreparable yes. in, in many ways. So I think that is a fantastic tip to give people. And you could even do it with yoga and hiking. Oh. So, you know, like, you know, so I can tell you, you I've done my yoga. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So I love, I love that point. I want to, there's a lot of reasons, a lot of myths in people's head that prevent them from getting out on the trail, getting out and hiking, getting outdoors. So I, I want you to off the top of your head, pick a myth and dispel it for me. Hiking or yoga? Which one? You know, either, either one. Let's go for it. Either one. With yoga, a lot of people say to me, I, I, I'm not good at it. I can't, I can't touch my toes. And my answer, I, I talk about this a lot in my class, is in yoga, the more you undo, the more you can do. And so yoga isn't about looking like the front page of Yoga Journal magazine. Yoga is about putting your butt or your feet on the floor and connecting to the earth and to quiet yourself down so that you can connect to yourself and see what's going on inside. If you can breathe, you can do yoga. So everybody has an opportunity, sit on a chair or to be able to lie down on a mat or stand on a mat and just come into that awareness that, you, that you're here and that you're breathing and then just breathe your arms up 
and bend your knees and you know hinge at your hips and reach down if you can't touch the earth that's not the point of it it's to be able to just sink your mind and body to get together like to 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 really be here in the present moment and i think everybody has that opportunity to do that so it's not about the pose i mean there's seven other limbs of yoga right we didn't even touch upon that and i bring that into some of my retreats but it's about being present a lot of what we deal with on our podcast and i'm sure that you you're with your practices of yoga, we deal with preventive care so we don't have to go to the hospital. We don't have to go because we understand that the medical system may not be set up with dealing with chronic care. If you were to make a change in the medical system or within how preventative care work, works, what would that be? Would, would there be something you would incorporate or would there be something that you would like to remove? <laughs> I'd like to redo the whole medical system because it seems to me like a Band-Aid approach. There's nothing that gets into the root of, of, of illness and disease. It's all just a Band-Aid and most of it is um, pharmaceutical. Yeah. So um, I, I wish that every family, every person can just understand the rhythms of the day, can understand um, even just to start practicing some yoga, there could be more yoga in the schools, you know, just to start um, at a very young age to, to, so for us to learn how to take care of ourselves. And it has to come from so many different directions, you know, it can't just come from your parents, but, and, and just to make medicine affordable, because there are going to be times when we all are going to have to rely on it, but to have some kind of way that it's affordable for people so that they are in a place where they need care, they can get the care that they need. But I think that just like a, a more holistic approach to our lifestyle, the time we were, you know, young, I think can yeah. put us on a a different track. And I mean, I, I, I don't actually go to the doctor all that often. Um, but I do know, I mean, I see an acupuncturist, I see a chiropractor, I see a massage therapist. I do know that from the medical field, it's slow, but there is more collaboration, more referrals to some kind of, you know, what they say is now, they call it like alternative medicine. It should be like the medicine that we're always incorporating and using in our life. But I even see more doctors looking more at like diet and nutrition, which is like a big yeah. hole in the medical training. You know, when you go to become a doctor, there's maybe one course in nutrition. So, you know, we, we, we're just not looking at the whole person. We harp on that quite a bit. And that's one of the big things in our community. And there's, you know, Weston A. Price, who does the, um, wrote the book, uh, Nutrition and Physical Degeneration in the 1920s, I believe it was, 1920s, 1930s, basically saying to people, look, this is where the cost of medical uh, uh, treatment is going because everybody's getting these lifestyle diseases and it's going to eventually hit a point where it it messes up the GDP, it messes up, it, it financially breaks the country if we continue this way. Whereas if we focused in and invested more in preventative care, nutrition and things like that, and he was going around and he was studying, he was a dentist, he was studying different cultures and he was trying to figure out why he was seeing so many dental problems in the Western world versus in areas. And what he had seen is that the people that were eating the processed food 
they had gotten, you know, the empty carbs, the high sugar things. They were getting more dental caries. And even within one generation, the, the facial structure would change and the wow. wisdom teeth would not be able to come in. And he studied people that were eating traditional meats, cheeses, traditional vegetables. Their faith was healthy. Their, their jaw structures, they didn't have rum. Many people tested positive for tuberculosis, but they did not show symptoms. Whereas the same ratio of poly people that tested positive for tuberculosis that were eating the standard American diet that was going global at the time were getting symptoms of tuberculosis. They where it was repressed in the traditional diets and it was it was active in the standard American diet. So it's it was a pretty fascinating read. And back then he we he he spoke about this and now people are starting to see it. So we have people like Dr. Mark Hyman. We have people um, like Weston A or not with St. St. I forgot the guy's name, but he started the Nutritional Therapy Practitioner Foundation. And they're, the, they're focused on getting more health practitioners out there that deal with nutrition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. deal with movement and deal with breathing and deal with lifestyle issues to keep people healthy, healthy to prevent having to seek medical, invasive medical procedures like right. medication and surgery. So right. it, it, we are very much aligned in this, this area. So this is one of the reasons why I also wanted to bring you on. Yeah, totally. So we, we are going to be closing out, but I want people to know where to find you and if you're still doing events during this whole thing and how you're doing that. So can you tell us about where to find you, what events you have coming up and, and the, all the contact beats? Sure. Uh, you can find me at my website, which is peaksandposes.com. You can find me on Instagram, uh, peaksandposes.com or nrwind. I do have two, but peaksandposes.com would be fantastic. And um, Peaks and Poses on Facebook as well. That's pretty much the social media. I have, uh, unfortunately, I have a retreat next weekend that is sold out. I will be looking at doing some um, local hikes towards the end of October, early November out here in the Boston area. I'm, hope, I'm planning in February to go back up to the White Mountains and do a snowshoe retreat, which will be probably will be pretty small in the numbers. So I do a lot more in the summer and the spring, summer, and the fall. Um, I'm just finding I, I would love to do some local hikes in the winter. It just it, it really depends upon the weather. You just never know. So I might, I might be like spontaneous and, and plant something, you know, a week ahead of time. But come like um, late March, again, depending upon the weather, April, May, June, you'll start seeing some more like local hikes. June, I have a retreat. Uh, I think it's the second week in June up at a, uh, one of the AMC huts called Madison Hut. And that trip is, uh, is open. It's on hold right now just because the AMC has closed down for, uh, they closed down last March and they're closed through this, um, this winter, unfortunately, because there are a few that, that stay open in the winter and have like a self, self-service. And then in the summer, uh, the end of July, I'm heading out to Glacier. I have one spot open for that. I am going to be retiring from my day job as a speech language therapist. So come June, I will be uh, completely, I will be retired. And um, I'm really excited um, 
because that means my health coaching is really going to be, is going to expand, but also I'm going to be planning some more events. So I won't be, uh, I feel limited right now in terms of when I can go away because I have to follow a school calendar. So I'm hoping like in September, you know, a lot of it's going to play out with COVID and how safe it is for all of us to travel. But that's when I'm hoping to have another retreat sometime in the fall and, um, and then either next winter or next spring, and then probably another one in the summer. So I'm looking again, like I, like I said, I, I kind of start out small. I'd love to have two or three in, um, in the next year. So that's pretty exciting. So I'm going to have to figure out where to go. Yeah, uh, you can find, like if you go onto my website under the events, I'm also doing a lot more like plant-based cooking workshops. So I have a, a several of those coming up with some of the local libraries. And uh, I've got one October, two in November, and I'll be doing a chair yoga class in early January. So those are, some of them are listed on my website already. They're free and open to the public. They're sponsored by different libraries. And, um, and I'll be doing a self-care workshop in the beginning of December through yes. the Work Institute Library. Yeah, so if you like, if you click on my website and you subscribe, then you'll be able to, um, you know, you'll get my, my newsletter and some of my emails talking about all of the different events that are, that are coming up. Kind of fun looking yeah, forward it, You know, I, I think you've got an incredible job. It's, it's gotta be just, that is one of the funnest business creations I've ever heard of. Oh my so, God, thank you. So I, uh, I, I really, you know, it, doing people often talk about doing what you love. You'll never work a day in your life. And that's, yeah. it seems to be like, I don't think that's exactly true because there's to do what you love. There's still a bunch of stuff you do that you don't love to, to do what you love, but yeah. you still that, that to be able to do something like this and to enjoy and bring that kind of joy, that's, that's pretty incredible. And to have a job that that's, mentally healthy for you is just absolutely yeah. incredible as well yeah and i don't i don't so, really stress about it i really don't yeah yeah people notice that when Majid and i were hiking and cooking and leading these people last year it was like we had done it for 20 years that's what people commented yeah. on they said you you two make it look so easy and i think it's we both love what we're doing and uh yeah. i'm really excited to go next week i have some new people joining me there's a woman coming up from florida to uh she's quarantining now and she's a yoga instructor and she told me she needs like she needs a break so um so that's exciting and I have a few other people that are new as well and uh, i love meeting new people helping people connect i think that's, uh, that's one of my strengths yeah that is really fantastic all right everybody we are going to close out this episode of the fatty joe show it was probably as of yet one of our most unique interviews that we've done so far as far as topic uh, subject matter goes i do want to encourage everybody please rate and and review leave a comment below it helps the algorithm to put us out to more people so more people can hear the content that we're producing and we will see you all on the next show thank you for joining us on the fatty joe show be sure to leave a comment and subscribe it helps the show reach more people to support the show, as well as Carrie Brown and Yogi's work on the blog, Keto Recipe Development, Masterclasses, and to gain access to private Facebook groups and other awards, go to patreon.com slash Show or patreon.com slash Brown. Also, check out our Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker YouTube channel for video versions of The Fatty Joe Show, recipe videos, and more. Join our awesome community on the Facebook group, 
The Keto Kitchen with Carrie Brown and Yogi Parker. And check out our CarrieBrown.com website for recipes, blog posts, discounts, cookbooks, masterclasses, and other great stuff. Thank you so much.